I want you to imagine this morning that you're walking across a field somewhere in Barnet. Maybe you're walking your dog, or maybe, yeah, imagine you have a dog, okay? You're walking your dog across a field in Barnet, which seems to be a very Barnet thing to do. There's just lots of fields around. It's lovely. I love it. Meadows and long grass and things. Imagine you're walking your dog. And suddenly, you trip over something that's sticking out of the grass that no one's probably ever noticed before. And you look down and you kind of unearth it a bit. And it looks, to your amazement, you just can't believe it, it looks like a diamond. Okay? So you start digging around it. And it's just getting bigger and bigger. There's no way you're ever going to get this thing out. It is just beautiful. When you're just scraping off the dirt and you just cannot believe it. You're just pinching yourself. Is this real? And you decide this must be the biggest diamond in the universe because it's literally just going down and down and down. You're going to have to get a JCB to come and get this thing. It is massive. It's probably, it's like the tip of an iceberg. It's probably like at least as big as a house. It is, this is the great du- diamond of Barnet, and it's the, great, the greatest diamond ever found in the history of mankind. And, and you realize this is worth billions, billions, and billions of pounds. Like, there's no, this is priceless. This is the best thing I've ever found. I just cannot believe it. This, I'm going to be the richest person on earth, and that'd be amazing. But then you suddenly realize, if you try and get it now, if you try and do anything to get it, you're going to lose it. Because if you start bringing JCVs into someone's field, or if you ask the landowner, hey, can I get this diamond, or could I buy this diamond from you, (laughs) you could save all your life to get hold of that diamond. And every night you can't sleep with just thinking about that diamond. I want that diamond, I want that diamond. How should I get it? Should I, should I go and say, can I buy it? And you, There's no way. You wouldn't even be able to buy 0.1% of that diamond. You could never earn it. You could never deserve it. And then you think of a clever plan that if you just go and buy the field, which actually costs you nothing because you could just flog it off again afterwards. You don't really want the field. You can buy the field and then you would own this priceless diamond but the problem is you don't have the money for that so you have to sell your dog have to sell your cat sell your shoes sell um, your house sell everything to get hold of this field it costs you everything at that moment even though really it costs costing you nothing at all and you Get, you bring in the JCBs and you get this huge diamond and you're the richest person on the planet. And being a Christian is exactly like that and that's what Paul's talking about. The surpassing worth of finding Christ Jesus, my Lord. You can hear the sweetness in his voice. The surpassing worth of finding, of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The, I love the way he says my. There's such sweetness in that. Such affection. It's just amazing. And as Christians, each one of us has discovered the most priceless jewel of heaven, the jewel of heaven, the diamond of heaven, Jesus Christ. And he's become our friend. He's become our king, our brother. And we can actually know him now. It's not like we have to wait to know this king. We can, he's a real man. He's, he's so beautiful in his character. Everything about him, his personality, he's just so exciting. 
and we can actually know this person. And I think so easy, in, because we would call ourselves probably, all of us, evangelical Christians, which is a good thing, even though it has, a bad, it has bad connotations, but it's a good thing. It just means we believe the Bible. But one of our biggest dangers as evangelicals is we lose this passion for Jesus. We lose it so quickly. We lose this kind of just craving for Jesus, this love for Jesus. You're my precious diamond that I can, I can go for a walk out in the, the fields early in the morning and I can encounter you. And I can encounter you at work. I can encounter you, Jesus, at any moment. He is our diamond of heaven that's been given to us. And he's living inside you today if you're a Christian. And he, he adores you. He's made you righteous. He's made you holy. He's given you his gift of righteousness. You are now righteous and holy. God sees you as spotless and pure. Even like Carol says, yes, we will mess up every five minutes. Or every one minute for me. But God has declared you legally. You are holy. You are righteous. Um, even though we need to keep coming and saying, God, I'm sorry. I messed up again. He says, yeah, I forgive you, but you know, your status is you're already righteous. You're already my child. You're already holy because of Jesus, our diamond of heaven. And it's all a totally free gift. But if, like the diamond, we try to earn it, if we tried to buy it, then we would have lost it all. We wouldn't have ever gained it. We can't earn Jesus' righteousness. We could never... We could never have tried to be good enough to get it or save up for it in our own righteousness. It was a free gift. It would have been like trying to jump over the Grand Canyon. Imagine if someone in America tried to train hard for weeks to jump over the Grand Canyon. They might get strong muscles to run and jump, but literally they would just die. And we can't earn it. It's just a free gift. But the funny thing about Christianity is that even though it's a free gift, like with the diamond, it costs everything to get hold of it. It's totally free. That diamond was totally free. It didn't cost anything, but you had to buy that field. And for a, for a period of time, you didn't have that house, your dog. <laughs> and as Christians, yeah, Jesus is totally free, but it costs us everything cost us our lives to follow him it's painful to turn away from sin are all the other affections in our lives that are damaging to turn tear ourselves away from them and turn to jesus every day costs everything yet is totally free and this morning we're um looking at philippians 3 it's a wonderful passage and paul is talking about the great diamond of heaven the treasure jesus christ and if, Graham, if you could just put the first slide on. Sorry, it's not very bright. But he says, The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And this is how he describes it. He talks about gaining Christ. You've gained Christ, each one of us. You've been found in Christ. And I love this imagery of you, you are wrapped, we are wrapped, hidden in Christ. It says in Corinthians, hidden in him. Hidden in Christ. And there's, a, there's an imagery there from the Old Testament when if you'd killed someone by mistake in the Old Testament, like kind of manslaughter, 
Um, there's a rule in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy and, or Numbers where you would have to, that you could be killed by that person's family legally. They could kill you and they were allowed to kill you because you'd killed their relative. But there were cities of refuge dotted around Israel. And as long as you got into a city of refuge, you were in it and you were safe. Nobody was allowed to hurt you. So you were completely safe. But if you stepped outside of that city, legally you could be killed to avenge the death. As long as you're in one of these cities, you are completely safe and can live a normal life. We are in Christ. We are completely safe from the wrath of God or from, from the enemy's um, f- disgusting fury. We are completely safe in Christ for eternity. The next one, he says, he talks about us having the righteousness that comes from God through faith. So we've been made righteous as a free gift. I love that. It helps me every day just to hold my head up high. When I've messed up, I just say, no, I am righteous. Thank you, Jesus. And if you believe that, you start living like it. And then he, he says, oh, to know Christ. And when he says about knowing Christ, he isn't talking about an intellectual, intellectual knowledge by itself. Yes, that's important. But he's talking about if I had a big, massive jar of honey here, and I was, imagine um, Vera here had never tried honey, okay? And I said, Vera, you have to try this honey. It just is so good. And I tried it, and I showed her me eating it. That wouldn't really help you. But if I gave you the jar, I said, Vera, during this talk, you have to eat this whole jar of honey. (laughs) You would experience the sweetness of this honey, And that is what knowing Jesus is like. It is a sweetness relationship. There's such a sweetness and a depth and a realness. And and I know we have days, I have days where it doesn't feel real, it doesn't feel sweet. But suddenly, I think I shared last time I had a dream. And for weeks afterwards, if I'm honest, it kind of tailed down after a few weeks. And since then, I've had to have more encounters with Jesus. I think I shared that or maybe I didn't share it, but I shared about a dream I had. For, for about four or five weeks after, I had this incredible closeness to Jesus. Then it tailed off, and I was struggling again. And then I've had more encounters with them, and it takes me up again. And it's the same with each one of us. We, we are found in Christ, and we are to know Christ. We are to pursue Him. And it means doing it again and again and again. Paul says, I'm telling you the same old things again and again and again. And it's no trouble for me to do it because it's safe for you, Paul says. And as Christians, we need to do the same things again and again throughout our 100 years that we're going to live or whatever. We've got to do the same things regularly. And that is for primarily encountering Jesus Christ as a real person. You encounter him once and it, it will lift you right up. In your, in your life and empower you, but it doesn't last that long. You've got to encounter him afresh. We can't live on yesterday's manner or yesterday's experience. We can know Christ. And then we can know the power of his resurrection. So being a Christian isn't, we're not just saved by grace as a free gift. We're also sanctified or changed, transformed by a free gift. Yes, it still costs us everything, yeah, we, we try as hard as we can, but in the end of the day, it's a completely free gift. 
We are transformed by the power of his resurrection working in our lives. It's free. It's all part of this priceless diamond that we possess. And we get to participate in Christ's suffering. This is a weird one. Why would we want that? The thing is, when we get to heaven, we all realize that the story talked about in heaven, the, the, what, the epic play that will be watched and talked about for all eternity will be Christ and his suffering and his death and his resurrection. And did you know that you are now joining in with that story? That you get to participate in the suffering of Christ. It is just incredible. So it, it, you and I will be joined in with that play, with that story and in heaven, we will also be seen as, yeah, we partake in Christ's suffering. And yeah, there is suffering. Being a Christian is really hard. There's suffering. But we know we will be raised from the dead one day. Our dead bodies, whether they've been incinerated or buried, doesn't matter. God will take a seed, it says in, I think it's 2 Corinthians, and he will give us new bodies. We will be raised from the dead, ruling and reigning with Christ on this earth where we can keep walking through the fields, the glorious meadows of Barnet. They're going to be way better, (laughs) way better for eternity with Jesus. And I can't wait. It's going to be incredible. This is all a free gift. But Paul, in this chapter, gives us a serious warning. He says, hang on a second. There's two ways that you can try and get this life, this diamond. This is the diamond. This is the the treasure of heaven. And there's two ways, and one of them is really dangerous, and as Christians, we fall into it all the time. And this way is trying to live Christian lives by our own righteousness, by our own goodness. And he tells us about this. And this is, and he says, guys, I'm warning you, watch out for the dogs, the evildoers, the mutilators of the flesh. And I'm going to talk about what that is. Yeah, Paul's preaching my sermon. I can hear him just telling me the answers. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's right. Um, That's right. I'm going to get you up in a minute to get revenge on you. Um, No, I am really. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, this is really interesting that Paul gives this warning because if you think about it, he was in prison. He was suffering, and he could have said, guys, I'm warning you about the Romans, or I'm warning you about persecution. Please stay away from persecution. Don't end up in prison like me. But no, as his one warning, he doesn't give that. He says, watch out for self-righteousness. Watch out for earning your salvation. So he says this in verse 1 and 2. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. Like, we've all heard these things I'm saying many times, but we need to hear it again. It is a safeguard for you. Verse 2. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. What's he talking about? Well, dogs, we know, in those days were horrible things. They were not pets. The Jews saw them as like they licked the sores of the lepers and ate their own vomit, and they were just scavengers and vicious they weren't nice. So this is not a nice, this is an insult. And mutilators of the flesh, is that just people who just randomly, who just cut themselves or self-harming? No. He tells us in the next 
verse, it's talking about circumcision. Not that there's anything wrong with circumcision, but he's basically saying that the, these dogs, these evildoers, mutilators of the flesh, are people who don't understand the covenant we're in with Jesus now. See, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, it, sorry, in the Old Testament, God set up a covenant with Moses and the people of God, where you you had to do these rules and regulations. You had to be circumcised. You had to fulfill the Ten Commandments, obey the Ten Commandments. You had to do blood sacrifice with animals. You had to do these things perfectly in order to, to be right with God, to have a righteousness with God. But we have to understand that when Jesus came, he came to fulfill that fully, perfectly. He fulfilled every law. And he ultimately gave his life as the perfect blood sacrifice. So that's been done away with. That covenant has been fulfilled. Even though, yeah, we definitely want to obey the Ten Commandments. <laughs> but we are not under that law anymore. We're not, we step out of that. We've died to that. We are in a new covenant, the Jesus covenant, where he's fulfilled everything. Everything's done. He's ticked every box. He's lived that perfect life on your behalf, on my behalf, and he's given it to us as a free gift. And that's, that's it. And now we, just, we, we grow to live like him and we give up our whole lives to be like Jesus. But we're already there. We're already righteous like Jesus. And these dogs, these mutilators of the flesh, these evildoers, are people who are trying to say to the church, guys, you've got to, you've got to keep trying to earn your righteousness. You've got to keep obeying these rules and laws. Come on. God's not going to be pleased with you. You're not going to... How are you going to earn God's blessing if you're not following these rules and laws? Come on, get circumcised. Do this, do that. And Paul says, watch out for these people. They are mutilators of the flesh, dogs, evildoers. It sounds so harsh. They were probably lovely people. Very religious, wonderful people who helped the poor, did great things, gave them money. Paul says, keep well away from that way of thinking. So for, t- for us today, how can this affect us? Well, as Christians, we, we can so easily have this obsession. It's actually, I think, it's a, a satanic um, influence upon our lives. The devil is out to trick us all the time to make us focused on ourselves and how we are doing. And of course, we are meant to, we are meant to be aware of how we are doing. Am I living for Jesus? Am I living holy? Yeah, of course. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but we get obsessed with it. And if we mess up or we fail, which we will, even Carol will, <laughs> um, suddenly, oh no, I've lost God's blessing. Oh no, he's not pleased with me. I've fallen out of favor with God. Oh, I need to behave. I need to earn his love. And so- We don't mentally think it, but it's just a feeling, a feeling of shame, a feeling of not quite being up to the mark. No, we've hit the mark perfectly. In your worst day, in your worst moment of sin, when you've been really nasty or gossiped about someone or whatever, God looks at you and thinks, my goodness, you're so righteous. You're so holy. You're just stunning and beautiful. He doesn't see that sin on you. It's been paid for. Um, I just want to show, Graham, could you stick up picture of this. Imagine this is a a big scale of our lives. 
Which side has got the most weight in your life? Now, what we really need is this one to have the most weight. But if we start on the top right, focusing on ourselves, how well we're behaving, how we dress, like judging others, comparing ourselves to others, how how long we spend praying every day, reading the Bible, how much money we give, our religious rituals and ceremonies. Now, these are really good things, most of them. But, my goodness, we we mustn't be in that old covenant mindset. It is death to us. We need to be in this new covenant mindset, focusing on Jesus Christ and what he's done for us, being obsessed with this man, this person, Jesus. We are righteous as a free gift. We need to spend our lives primarily adoring Jesus, more than anything else. Cherishing him, delighting in our riches in Christ, Longing to know Jesus more. Growing in love for Jesus. Growing in appreciation for Jesus. And that needs to far outweigh anything else that we do or think. Now I know that's hard and we fail every day. But that is good for us. It's healthy for us. It's like sweet medicine. Sweet honey for us. But it takes real discipline to to think like that. And Paul says... That in his life, he had to really weigh this up and decide. So, Graham, if you could just put the next slide up. This is just copied straight out of the passage that we've read out. On the top right, Paul says, I am the most righteous, literally. He wasn't being arrogant. I think he was just telling the truth. He knew he was a Pharisee before he got saved. He was the most righteous, most religious, most holy man. He was a really good man. Yes, he killed Christians, but he was doing it because he was living under this law. So he kind of had to do it. He was just being good. He was being godly. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, the most zealous person ever for God, the most righteous person ever, faultlessly following the law. He... He did so well. But he realized that even all of that was completely worthless. And he says it's actually as worth as much as excrement. He calls it excrement. It, it translates it rubbish, but it's actually excrement. And actually, it's not just bad, it is dangerous. Because if he used that to try and find the diamond of heaven, he would have lost, lost it. He would have missed it. You can't earn But in Paul's life, the main weight in his life is the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And Paul wanted to give up everything. He says, I've lost all things in my life so that I can gain Christ. Now, I'm going to ask Paul to come up now, and I'm going to ask Ruth. Can you come up as well? Now, this is just a demonstration to demonstrate the same thing, okay? Now... Well done, Ruth. Thank you. Thank you, guys. This is a... Ruth, do you want to stand here? And I'll, I'll deal with you in a minute. But first, this man... <laughs> you're right. <laughs> oh, you're wonderful. Thank you. Now, this... I'm just going to give you these, and can you hold it for me? This man is truly amazing. Okay? He is so amazing. Let's just call him Fred for today. He is completely dedicated to church. He serves all the time. 
He gives loads of his money, way above 10%. He is a, he's adored by everybody. He prays every day. And he never does anything bad. <laughs> he, he helps the poor. And he is totally selfless. Now, we want to be like this. This is like the model Christian. It's amazing. And we, these are really good things, all of them. But there's one thing in Paul's life that is death to him. Ooh, I'm really sorry, Fred. I mean, Fred. He is, this man, Fred, he's actually satisfied with his own righteousness. And he's never really got to a place where he's realized that all that good stuff he's done is, is actually like excrement in trying to earn his righteousness. It will never even earn 1% of that diamond. Not 1%. Ooh, okay. So, right, Ruth, come and stand over here. Um, what should we call you? Let's, um, right, this is um, Belinda, because there's no one called Belinda in this room. Right, Belinda. She is totally annoying. Okay. Now we know Ruth is the extreme opposite to this. So sorry. Um, so Belinda, she. Well, I don't know actually. She burgles houses. Okay. <laughs> she burgles houses, and on the side also she's a professional con woman. <laughs> Now, something even worse, which is so common in a real issue in Barnet that I'm sick of, and you're to blame for this, she leaves her dog poo on the pavement, <laughs> okay? And you are just a disgusting person, Belinda. And to make it worse, she's never been to church at all. And she's never given any money to anyone. Now, Fred over here is absolutely disgusted on you. You're looking down at her. You're... I look down on you. Yeah. He just can't believe what a low life Belinda is. She's never helped anyone because she is totally selfish. She's hated by everyone. She's a, she's, a, she's a nasty person, Belinda is. Okay, we're not talking about Ruth. Um, but... Belinda has this amazing moment in her life where she's just hated by everyone. She's rubbish in every way. But she realizes she needs a free gift of righteousness and she receives Jesus. And she just receives this free gift. She's like, what? I can have this diamond of heaven, all this amazing stuff, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ for free. And she still hasn't changed much yet. Like She's on the process of changing but she's, she's there. Now, who would you rather be? This man is very wealthy. He's, everybody likes him. No, you're not allowed to do that. So, he's very wealthy, lives in a lovely house. He can sing really well. He, he <laughs> Fred, is, he's just liked by everyone. Great reputation. Um, his life has done lots of good things. But do you know what? It's all completely worthless. Because he hasn't received this, this free gift of righteousness. But Belinda, she's the richest person in the universe now. She's, 
She's going to be in heaven with Jesus, just enjoying this diamond of heaven. So let's give them both a round of applause. Thanks, guys. Okay. Now, I'll just brush all that off you, Ruth. That wasn't... <laughs> Brilliant, James. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, let's take you. Thank so you. give your hand down. You're right. You probably don't need a hand, but I'll give you a hand anyway. Off the bus. <laughs> so if you see Ruth walking along the pavement late at night near your house, like taking photos or with a balaclava, just double lock your doors. She's getting a reputation. <laughs> um, and I love the way Paul talks about my Jesus, my Lord. There's such sweetness. There's surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And I've nearly finished now, but I just want to encourage us, like, and how are we going to respond to this? I really want to encourage us to have a sweetness with Jesus, like a fresh pursuing after him, a fresh, like, Jesus, you are the man, you're the person who, you are the being I, I, I want to know more, more than anyone else. I don't want to just hear about honey, I want to actually taste and see that the Lord is good. I actually want to experience knowing Jesus. And, you know, when we come and sing, it was so good to sing with Sarah this morning. Thank you, it's so good. And I want to encourage us that singing together isn't, isn't meant to be just a therapeutic or cathartic experience, which it is. It's very beneficial to us in many ways. But it's not just meant to be a therapeutic thing. It, it literally is we are here to encounter this person in a real way. And that's incredibly serious and beautiful. He's here through his Holy Spirit, walking in this room, and he wants to encounter you today. So I encourage you to spend your life pursuing Jesus, enjoying Jesus. Take your eyes off of yourself. Remember this old covenant mindset where, with Moses, where God's people had to be fully focused on how they were doing, how they were performing, behaving. Have I been good today? No, we're out of that now. We, Jesus has fulfilled that. We need to focus primarily 99% on him. Just focus mainly on him. Yet, yeah, of course, we give up our whole lives. We give our money. We give our time. We live holy lives, of course. That's vital. But actually, let's focus on him and how beautiful he is. So I'd love just to pray for us now for a moment. So if you want to close your eyes, let's just respond to Jesus because even if I haven't explained it well, he is worthy. He is worthy. And he is so beautiful. And you know him. He's living within you. He's living within you. And he is so worthy of you just saying right now, Jesus, I'm sorry for putting my eyes on myself and my own performance too much. And looking down at other people and how they're doing. And Jesus, I really want to look at you. Jesus, I really want to enjoy you. And I really want to enjoy the freedom that you bring in my life. And Jesus, help us not to be religious people in a bad sense. Christianity is not a religion anymore. It is a living relationship. It's totally different to every other religion on earth. We set ourselves apart. We're in a new covenant, the Jesus covenant, where we are children of God. It's infinitely better than a religion. 
Lord, help us, Jesus. Help us to glory in Christ. Help us to have the sweetness of Christ in our hearts. I just ask, pour out your beautiful presence, your Holy Spirit, and bring a sweetness for Jesus in every heart, in every life in this room. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.